Hey, Kayla. Hey, Casey. What's up? Not much. What's going on today? Oh, you know, nothing. Except for murder. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, what case do you, did you bring for us today? We got Richard Cottingham, the torso killer, uh, or also known as the Times Square killer. Okay. Located, obviously, in New York. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified. I've heard of the torso killer. So there are a couple different I was going to say, I think I've heard killers. of Cleveland. Yeah. I want to say. I didn't know there was a New York one. Yeah, I actually, um, I picked this one because recently, in the last couple months, they've updated everything for him and actually charged him with more murders. Oh. Yeah, so we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> but Richard Cottingham seemed like your normal desk job having guy with a family. However, he had a secret. Dun, 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 dun. Not many lived to tell the tale of their experience with him. Richard Cottingham worked for Blue Cross Blue Shield as a computer operator, and he was married to Janet Cottingham and had three children. You know, normal, everyday. Mm-hmm. White picket fence, the yeah. whole thing. They well. lived in New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. Sorry, New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> but they lived in New Jersey, had a normal life. Um, however, Richard started staying out late, spending money they didn't have, and his wife complained of not having funds to maintain their home. You want to guess what his secret was? I'm going to go with he was playing bingo. No, he was a serial killer. I was way off. A little bit. <laughs> but you're kind of on track. And you'll you'll figure out why. <laughs> okay. That threw me off. <laughs> so, he was a serial killer uh, from New Jersey operating in New York between the years of 1967 and 1980. He obtained two names for his killings, the torso killer, due to his routine of dismembering his victims and leaving nothing but their torso behind, mm. and the second is a Times Square killer, which he obtained on May 18, 1980. We'll get more into that in a second, though. Yeah, he got that name towards the end. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so his first known murder was October 28, 1967. The victim was Nancy Vogel, who was 29 was found in her passenger seat under a blanket. She was strangled, nude, and her hands were bound to her front. She was last seen leaving her home to go play bingo with her friends. For anyone listening, the two people that will listen to this, I'm sure, um, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for the bingo lovers. (laughs) But I have a feeling maybe he was also going to go play bingo, too. Yeah. Was she dismembered? She was not. Okay. Yeah, she was one of his first, so... He hadn't gotten it down yet. He hadn't quite figured out his groove just yet. Gotcha. Oh, man. So, Richard's second murder took place February 15th, 1968. The victim was Diane Cusick, who was 23. She was also found in her car. However, this time she was in the back seat, Mm -hmm. and she was strangled, raped, and beaten. Mm. Now... I could go through the list of all the horrible things that Mr. Cottingham, Richard, wh- whatever you want to call him. We'll call I'm, him Richard. I'm not going to call him Mr. I'm no, Dick. Yeah. Short this, for Richard. Yeah. This Dick. <laughs> uh, so we can go through all the things that he's done, murdering sex workers and all that. But we're going to focus primarily on his downfall because he mm-hmm. had, um, he's confessed to murdering between 80 to 100 people. Oh, my gosh. Um, all women, most of them sex workers right. and teenagers. Uh, yeah, if 
I mean, you could definitely go through each and every single one, but that would be like a whole podcast series in itself. Yeah. And that is unfortunate. And we're no counterclock, so Mm. we could be counterclock, but we're not. We're not we're not on anyone's level yet. No. (laughs) We're on our level, which is low the bare minimum. (laughs) We're getting there, but not quite. So, December 15, 1977, the body of Mary Ann Carr, who's 26, mm-hmm. was found brutally beaten and strangled at a parking lot of the Hasbrook Heights Quality Inn. Mary Ann had marks around her wrists and ankles, which lined up with handcuffs marks, as well as adhesive tape from tape around her mouth. Her body also exhibited numerous small cuts and bite marks. She was abducted from the Little Fairy apartment complex in New Jersey, uh, mm-hmm. which was an apartment complex that Richard had lived in for a little while. Oh, okay. So he was familiar, probably, like, with the layout of everything. Yeah. So he knew he knew where he He knew how to get in and out. Yeah. Gotcha. So on December 2nd, 1979, there was a fire alarm at a small hotel near Times Square. Firemen forced their way inside to put the fire out. What they found once the fire was out, that was a weird pause, was a gruesome scene. Stretched out on the bed were two headless corpses who had also had their hands removed. They had been doused in lighter fluid and set on fire. X-rays gave the identity of one of the women who came back as Dita Gudarzi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sure we'll be told if we aren't. <laughs> yeah, I, I would appreciate the correction if I can get one. But a nice correction. Yeah, please be nice to me. I'll cry. Um, so, Dita Godarzi, who was 22, was from Kuwait and was working at a, as a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um, the other woman was never identified. Mm-hmm. That always bothers me when they're not identified. Yeah, especially since they did, like, the x-rays. But it kind of makes you think maybe they were another immigrant. Mm-hmm. I was going to say probably nobody. an immigrant or just very um, impoverished to where they couldn't afford medical yeah. treatment in the past. So there was, like, no record of them. Either way, it's sad. It is sad. I, want, I don't know if you got that information or not, but I wonder how many women he killed before he escalated to dismembering them. I have no idea. Um, but it sounds like quite a f- He probably killed quite a few. Yeah, he definitely quil- killed quite quil- <laughs> He definitely killed quite a few. Man. Um, and it wasn't until later in his life that he actually admitted to he- murdering all these people. He was initially, mm-hmm. like, really reluctant to give any information. Mm-hmm. When he thought he had a chance in hell of getting out, probably. Yeah. <laughs> December 2nd. December, did I miss a spot? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst when you lose your spot. Okay. okay. I found it. Because I already said it was December 2nd, 1979. Uh, so the December 2nd scene was linked to the murder of Helen Sykes, who unfortunately I could not find an age for, um, who had gone missing in Times Square January of 1979. When she was found, her head was barely hanging on, her legs had been cut off, and her legs were found a block away from the rest of the body. Mm. So he was going to work. Slicing and dicing and Uh, really going for it. Man. So you said this was in 79? Yes. 1979. Gotcha. So that was like when his dismembering 
Yeah, that's pretty start. much when the dismemberment started. God. Oh, wow. He killed for, like, I forget the start date, but it was about, what, like, ten years? A while. This man has a history. It's hard to keep up when they kill for that long. Yeah, 1967 was when he started, so he had a, a nice little bit. Mm. Did he ever say why he escalated? Uh, yeah, he does. Okay, I guess I won't interrupt you then. No worries. <laughs> so, we're moving into May 5th of 1980. Police found sex worker Valerie Streets, who was 19, dead in a room at the Hasbrook Heights Quality Inn. We've been there before. Mm-hmm. He's got a, uh... We're, we know the Quality Inn. Ish. Ish. We don't. He does. He does. He knows specifically the Hasbrook Heights Quality Inn, because he's there a lot. So, mm. Valerie had been beaten, strangled, and one of her nipples was almost severed completely off. She was stuffed under the bed of the room and just left there. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the poor housekeeping woman? Oh, I that know. discovered that? Ugh. Therapy for the rest of her life. <laughs> Later, police were able to find a fingerprint. And the only, it's the only fingerprint Richard Cottingham had ever left behind on any of the scenes. Oh my God. So he was very meticulous with cleanup. So they were able to link this murder to the murder of Marilyn, Marianne Carr. May 15th of 1980, another sex worker, Jean Rayner, uh, was stabbed to death in a motel room also near Times Square. Her breasts had been cut completely off and her body was set on fire. In the hotel? In the hotel. So, he's got this whole thing about cutting and dismembering and catching people on fire. I don't know how you could get away with that. With it. Like, fire alarms, like smoke alarms, or maybe that wasn't a thing back then? I don't know. I'm not sure. Because surely the people in the room next to him would smell a fire. Smoke. Smoke something. Yeah. I can't imagine that would go a very, very long time undetected. I don't think it did. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I can't imagine. I want to know, after all these things happening, why they keep giving him hotel rooms. 70s. Yeah, I guess so. They just, they were like, this guy's I tell you, the, se- the 70s were, were a time. <laughs> Cult, serial killers. We got it all. We got it all here in America in the 70s. So, a week after Jean Rayner was discovered, police responded to a call at the same motel. Again, why, why did they keep giving him rooms? Someone had called in and stated they could hear a girl screaming as if she was being tortured. When police arrived, they caught Richard trying to abscond from the room. When they entered the room, they found a young girl, Leslie Ann O'Dell, who was 18, handcuffed to the bed. Oh, 18. You ready for the list of things that had happened to her? Oh, probably not, but let's go. She was beaten, raped sodomized, stabbed, and one of her nipples had been bitten off. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> she was also... Uh, that gave me, like, the the heebie-jeebies. Like, I don't want to think The nipple about, thing. Yeah. The, uh, what, what is it with biting people's nipples off? <laughs> I don't get it. I, <laughs> she was also forced at knife point to perform sexual acts on him. So... She just... That was my dishwasher in case the microphone picked that up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, thankfully, the police arrested Richard for this attack. 
you know. Finally. Finally. I wonder if he used the same name at the hotel. I don't know. I didn't I didn't I mean, find anything about him using any kind of alias. I, I don't know. It's mind-boggling that he kept getting rooms. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't understand it. You would think they're like, this guy's always here when something crazy mm-hmm. happens. I mean, surely the front desk people would be like, huh, he's a regular. He's totally normal. White bread man. That wonder bread. (laughs) (laughs) So when he was arrested, he had the following items on his persons. Mm. Handcuffs, a leather gag, two slave collars, a switchblade knife, replica pistols, like multiple replica pistols. Yeah. Uh, And a plethora of pills. I couldn't figure out what, I couldn't, in all my research, figure out exactly what kind of pills, but I can only assume, mm. like, roofies. I was going to say, probably, if I had to guess, probably something that would knock them out. Yeah. So he could just do whatever he wanted at some point. Gross. Yes. Mm. Poor thing. So after finding all those items on him, they got a search warrant for his house. So he lived in Lodi, Lodi, New Jersey, and inside mm. the home they found a tr- trophy room of sorts inside a locked basement the base in the basement the police found more handcuffs a plethora of porn a leather gag two more slave collars another switchblade knife and a small box that contained items from some of the victims like you know trophies his wife never saw that didn't he have kids too he did have kids kids yeah if my husband told me, hey, there's a locked room in this basement. Oh, you bet your ass I'm going in that oh, room. Oh, you bet your ass my nosy self is picking some locks. Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> you're not hiding anything from me. Scott could never be a serial killer. <clears throat> oh, no. Nathan either. Not at all. No. Because I'd, I'd be on him. Like, white on rice. See, I would be like, something in that room's for me. And I would just... <laughs> I would just be, like, bound and determined to get in there and figure out what the surprise is. You're like, there's a surprise party for me. I have to go. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) That and Scott's not very good at keeping secrets. Oh. No, Nathan isn't either. He would, like, probably lock the door and then, like, tell me I couldn't go in it. But then be like, you can't go in there. (laughs) Scott's whole thing is, like. He can't lie. He'll lock the door, but he'll put the key away, and then a week later, he'll be like, hey, have you seen the key to the basement? Oh, are all men the same? I I think so. (laughs) I think so, too. It also helps that they're best friends, so they probably picked up on each other's habits. Probably. (laughs) But I don't see how, if he had that room for the entire time, or a good chunk of time that he was killing, how his wife was not like, girl. Let me go clean the basement. Let me just go in the basement. Just let, let me in the basement. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I'm going to go clean. Yeah. And casually pick some locks. So. I don't understand. I don't understand it either. But it was the 70s. Women were a little bit more obedient back then. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how many of these serial killer wives and girlfriends don't have a clue. Or, would, or pretend they don't have a clue. I think a lot one. of them just pretend. Or they're in denial. Yeah. That they too. probably think... Like, what's the worst that can happen? He's having an affair or something because he's out at night or whatever, which is bad in itself. Don't do that. But. Right. If you're a man or really a woman and you're listening and you're like, if I could have an affair over murder, 
Just don't do either. Mm-hmm. And if your partner has a locked room, locked compartment, hidden anything, be, be suspicious. Be suspicious, yeah. Be suspicious. You know that song, Don't Be Suspicious? No. no. Be, be suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> be nosy. Anyway. <laughs> so, with all this evidence in mind, Richard was arrested and put on trial. Mm-hmm. During the trial, he initially denied the acts that he committed. As... Sure, Richard. Most men do. Uh, However, August of 1984, he had been found guilty of five murders and was sentenced to 200 years in prison. One month after his arrest, his wife, Janet, filed for divorce, citing extreme cruelty and stated that he has refused sex with her since 1976. Whoa. That's almost 10 years of a loveless, sexless marriage. With a hidden basement. I'd be picking that lock for sure. For sure picking that lock. 100%. Mm. Um, During his time in prison, he tried to smash his glasses to attempt to unalive himself, but he uh, messed it up and just ended up without glasses for a little while. (laughs) So. That is so funny. This just it just shows the kind of person he is. Not very bright. There was an attempt. <laughs> so we're gonna move more into frequent times. Mm-hmm. In two thousand nine, a journalist by the name Nadia Fazani began talking to Richard to try to find justice for all the unidentified victims. Oh, I thought you were going to say justice for Richard. I'm like, oh, honey, he got justice. Oh, he got his justice. He got 200 years of justice. I love it when they get, like, 200 years. I do, too. It just makes me feel good knowing that he's still in prison today. Oh, he's still alive? He's still alive. Nice. We love a locked-up dick. We do. (laughs) (laughs) So during her interviews with him, he stated that it was a game to to me. Quoting him, it was a game to me. It was mainly psychological, and I was able to get almost any woman to do what I wanted them to do. I was like God almost. Could you imagine? No, I literally, I'm enraged to the point I I don't even know what to say about that statement. And my beef with it is like, of course you were able to get the women to do whatever you wanted them to do. They you were, bit their nipples off. Well, they were sex workers. They were in it yes. for the coin. Or they were teenagers who were probably listening to you and following mm-hmm. you because you were an adult. Dude. Yeah. Well, sex workers, um, especially back then, I mean, they were so vulnerable. I mean, really. And you have a man that's telling you what to do. I mean, realistically... They're probably going to do most of what they're being told to do because they're in a vulnerable situation. You're alone with a man that you don't know. So, I mean, he could have more or less probably got what he wanted Mm -hmm. without murdering them. Murdering and all the other stuff, which is an issue in itself. But, I mean, I don't like Richard. I don't like him either. He's kind of a dick. Literally. Literally. So during these interviews, Richard confessed to killing more than 80 women and teens. And his quote is that they were between 80 and 100. So he, how many... does, he doesn't know how many he killed. He just knows it's between 80 and 100. Yeah. To me, it's like if you're going to kill people, 
Not that you should kill people. Yeah, please don't kill anybody. Don't kill people. But to me, the fact that you don't know the exact number, or you don't have it, you don't have it in you to like know like their names or how many people you killed. It's such like a disregard for that life. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, there's no they don't care about the lives they take. Clearly. But like some like some serial killers know exactly what they did. Yeah, I would think if that's the route you go in life, you're gonna know what you did. So the fact that they're like, oh, I don't, I don't remember, I don't know how many, and he kept it's some <sighs> trophies. So I wonder if he had like a ones that he was more proud of because he only Probably. kept trophies from certain people, or like the ones that he thought were like really pretty or yeah, something. Ugh, Richard. So, in August of 2010, Richard confessed to the murder of Nancy Vogel, who was 29. Mm -hmm. He was arraigned from his hospital bed in 2022 thanks to a link in DNA. So, we're pretty frequent Mm -hmm. times where he's still still getting slammed with stuff that he did in the, like, 70s and 80s. Love that. I love modern technology when it comes to these jerks. Oh, I do too. I live for it. Like the Golden State Killer that got busted. Yes. Yeah, that was just frequently too, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, Richard admitted to strangling 13-year-old Jacqueline Harp in 1968. 13? 13 years old. She was his youngest victim. In April 2021, he pled guilty to drowning two New Jersey teens, Lorraine Marie Kelly, who was 16, and Mary Ann Pryor, who was 17 after abducting them from the mall where they were shopping in 1974. Oh my god. Babies. In June of 2022, he was charged for the murder of Diane Cusick, who we mentioned earlier, and he was sentenced to 25 to life for her in December 2022. Uh, And then he was tied to the murder of Diane via DNA testing. Mm-hmm. And in August of 2022, he confessed to the murder of Lorraine McGraw, 26, who was beaten and killed on March 1st, 1970. Currently, Richard resides in New Jersey State Prison, where he's serving multiple life sentences. Yeah, Richard. You ain't never getting out. Ever. Ever. So, a fun fact about him. Um... (laughs) Fun fact. It's a fun fact. No, it really is a fun fact. During his time working for Blue Cross Blue Shield, he worked in the same office as Rodney Alcala, who is the The game show one. Yeah, the dating game show. I want to talk about him one day. Neither of them acknowledge that they knew of each other's crimes, but I don't know. Something in my heart tells me, like, Mm. if you're that close to another serial killer, like, Mm proximity-wise, you probably know. You would think, but I don't... I guess it just depends on if that jail or prison, whatever it was, I'm assuming prison, um, how much media, like TV or news they let in. That's true. And I don't know when the dating game killer, like, I don't 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 know know his time frame. frame, I think like the 70s, like during that. But they had pretty close to the same MO, right? I don't really know... I know he um, he was on the game show and all that, but I don't really know, like, what his M.O. was, like, how he yeah. did it. But I would like to talk about him one day in the future. Oh, yeah, me too. I thought about doing some research on him, and I was like, Kayla's probably already got it. Actually, no. 
<laughs> Surprisingly enough. Ugh. Well, Richard, I love that um, all these people, all these women are getting justice, though. I do, too. Because I feel like it would be so easy to just brush under the rug mm-hmm. for police, especially because they were all sex workers and probably a lot of immigrants and poor people and not people in really good situations. So I like that they keep adding more to them. I do, too. I love it. I mean, I'm sure not all of them will, you know, get that justice, but I'm glad that they keep adding more to it. So, I just looked it up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ronnie. Ronnie Akala, he was apprehended in 1979. Mm. So, So he was in jail before Richard. Yeah. Um, So, they were kind of... They were kind of working around the same area about the same time, mm-hmm. so... It was the 70s. They were all running amok. Yeah. Amok, amok, amok. Amok, amok, amok. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I feel like they probably knew. I feel like they And knew. they weren't going to rat out the other. Yeah. I feel like they knew. So, yeah, that's Richard Cottingham or the as summary we, of... Or as we have dubbed, Dick. Dick. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that is it for this week's episode, Casey. And it was a fun time with you. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Not really. Thank you so No much. problem. <laughs> it was like, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. But I love you. Oh, I love you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. See you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, y'all. It's Kayla just hopping in at the end of the episode to say thank you for making it this far. We have been working so hard on this podcast, and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we wanted to say thank you, and we love you for it. Also, just remember to give us a rating, give us a review, share if you can, and make sure you find us on all of our social media platforms. I will post all of those links, all those handles in our description box. But you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure you find us on YouTube for some special future content. Oh, and uh, Pinterest. Because who doesn't love Pinterest? Anyway, thank you so, so much for making it this far. And just for you, here's a little sneak peek of next week's episode. Bye! Have you ever heard about her? I have not. Well, she is currently sitting in death row in Texas. I can only assume for murder. Potentially. Oh. So.